You're listening to the Ontos Podcast, where we explore the nature of stories and the pursuit of being and truth. I'm Vod. And I'm Matt. And our sentience depends on you. Now cue the intro music. I am also afraid, however, that all I have known, that my story will be forgotten. I'm afraid for the world that is to come. I'm afraid that my plans will fail. Afraid of a doom worse, even, than the deepness. It all comes back to poor Lindy. I feel bad for him, and for all the things that he has been forced to endure. For what he has been forced to become. Alright, chapter 7 and 8. 7 and 8. So, we open up with Seiza's point of view, and he's teaching about a half a dozen... Uh, students. So I believe it mentions that they're all children at this point. And he's like, well, down here we know there's no such thing as chalk, or there's no such thing. There is no chalk, there is no ink, there's nothing to write on. So he's like thankful that it's like the soft dirt. Many of them don't even have clothes. Yeah, they have, but they what they do have is a lot, a lot of farming tools, but no way to hunt. And so it's kind of weird because they're, they're starving because they're out of season, essentially. There's no food coming in through any trade anymore because the Lord Ruler's gone. There's no way for them to hunt. They don't even know how to hunt. And so this this group's just struggling. And he's tried to convince all the elders that writing is super important, uh, but he pretty much understands that they eventually gave him students to teach writing to. To shut him up. Yeah, he's, <laughs> and he's he's basically struggling with this idea that you know, I expected people to come welcome me with open arms, but I can understand that some sick and starving people really are not interested in learning anything other that's not practical. Yeah, I mean, and this oppression is so in, like engraved into who the Ska are that Sazed has tried to get them to all, because they could all fit in the noble manner, the nobleman's manner. They could all fit in there and all have a better life and a more comfortable life. And he's trying to convince them to do that, and they won't. They won't even go live in it. They prefer to stay in their huts. And Sazed even acknowledges that he himself still falls into the same customs that were put on him via a, like oppression because they're familiar to him. He still dresses the same way that they force the terrorist stewards to dress. He's still, you know, outside of his metal mines, he still wears jewelry in the same way that they forced them to wear and things like that. And so... He he gets it there, and he's like, well, this is my job, you know. I, he, he wants to leave. He, he The thing that keeps na- nagging at him is this idea that, you know, something's not over. You know, what, what, what if the things about the mist are real? Something so large that it's effectively invisible. Yeah, and he's just trying to figure out what the heck this is, but he, he acknowledges, you know, I'm not supposed to be an investigator anymore. I'm supposed to be a teacher. And he refers to, he says, the Senate requested that he teach farming techniques. The, the Synod. They call him the Synod. Synod? The Synod. The Senate. <laughs> I am the Senate. Okay. Um, but yeah, you know, like you said, the Lord Ruler's dead, but it's not, the story doesn't feel over, you know, very on the nose. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the story doesn't feel over. And the other keepers, we, we learned that says it's the black sheep now. He, he, the other keepers like look down on him for what he did. They don't praise him for in, for his hand in helping overthrow the the Lord Ruler. In fact, they look down on him and think less of him for getting involved. And 
it's that that's just crazy to me, right? Because you know we kind of joked about it. Vin even pointed out and goes, "You're not very docile." And he's like, you know, compared, you know, comparatively, you know, he, Vin's the only one who thought that the other would be like, "Oh, says it's pretty docile." And he's like, "Well, with, if only they knew." Like, you know, they consider me docile, but I'm a wild card essentially compared to anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so, um, they he's like he's thinking about this he's thinking that like he's just kind of like reminiscing on this when it's starting to become night the sun has gone down so the scott normally stay in but he sees a skull running towards him calling for him and he's like okay okay what's going on and he's like what is it you know is something wrong you know is something happening is the mist attacking again and he he's like i have my pewter mine i have my speed ready and he's like he's ready for a fight and the the skull goes, no, 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 he's returned. And it's like, who's he? It's like, the Lord Ruler. The Lord Ruler's here. He's returned. And Sazed's like, uh, okay, let's go check that out. And he looks, and there is standing a steel inquisitor. Close enough. Close enough. Um, but thankfully, it's Marsh. Marsh uh, has finally shown back up in the in the second book. So Marsh is here, and he he mentions he's like, I've been trying to track you down, says it, and says it's like, well, you know, I was trying to not be tracked down, so that tracks. And, um, but he mentions like something something's off about Marsh because like his voice has gotten really deep and gravelly and just kind of just like, like dra- like dragging your nails across a chalkboard essentially. But he's like, well, I don't know what's up with you, but Marsh is like, hey, I need you for one more job. We're going. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> You son of a... I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> so Marsh is like, I need you for one more job, you know? And Sace is like, what do you mean? And he's like, well, the... the com- What's it called? The conv- convict... Convectional. Yeah, the convictional of uh, Saren is empty, which is a sen- essentially a ministry stronghold that a lot of the obligators and, and steel inquisitors retreated to after the Lord Ruler died. And Marsh is like, hey, I need your help, Sazen. I need someone to watch my back just in case my brethren are in there just in case my brothers are in there and they discover that we're snooping around but it's empty it's empty right now and says it's like uh marsh like your brothers <laughs> my brethren yeah yeah mm-hmm. what's up what's mm-hmm. up with that uh okay but uh yeah marsh basically says i need your help and says it's like nah i'm supposed to teach and then marsh is like dude the mister coming during the day and says it's like, like oh crap i knew this oh all right he confirmed it it's real and Marsh says something very telling here, very scary. The Lord Ruler was just to delay a cog. They must search this this film ministry before it's too late. And that's where that chapter ends. So, oh boy, that was a... Cliffhanger. Yeah, a bit of a cliffhanger there, but luckily we cover two chapters. So going forward, chapter eight, we get a Vin point of view. So Vin's flying over Lufadel and she's... You know, we, we get we get a reminder here. How can the Steel Inquisitor see? Like, there's a point where she's just kind of messing around with her powers again. She just kind of like this theme we've had of her so far. She's kind of indulging in the power. She likes it. She likes the way she feels, but she's jumping around. She, like, closes her eyes and, like, basically, you know, is falling with style all over the place with her eyes closed because that doesn't stop you from seeing the steel lines and the iron lines, stuff like that. And... She just says to herself, well, you know, what have I ever done without this? And she's running from something on purpose, and it turns out it ends up being Orsur, and she's trying to see if Orsur can keep up with her, and she's, like, 
purposely trying really hard to lose him. She's trying to find every reason to tell Ellen, you see, he'll just slow me down. There's no reason for him to be here. She's trying to get out of it. And Asor doesn't get doesn't get shook. You know, he keeps up at all points, including getting up onto the roofs and jumping from roof to roof to keep up with her. And, you know, she's like, wow, you know, that's pretty good. And Ursula's like, yeah, I might have judged these bones a little too harshly in the beginning because my sense of smell and my ability to track you is incredible. I'm way faster than a human. Um, but also, you're trying to lose me on purpose, so cut it out. And Vin's like, oh, yeah, you got me. You got me. So, so she has Duralamin, okay? After she's kind of run a bit, she's like, well, she's thinking about it, and she goes, I have this Duralamin still. I have no idea what it could be. You know, there's 10 Alimantic, or they used to think there's 10 Alimantic metals. You know, you had the four base metals, then you had their alloys, then you had ATM and gold. And we learned about Malatium, which was the 11th metal. Then we learned that gold, you know, has, I forget the name. Do you remember the name, the gold alloy? the top of your head i thought malatium was the gold alloy was it it could be mm. anyway. or something i had to, th- have to d- double check but then, but the point is that we know about aluminum yeah which must have an alloy and we learn in the in a previous chapter that duralumin is most likely that alloy they just don't know what it does yet because she was able to burn it she felt it as a reserve but it didn't make her sick it didn't do anything to her and she's like you know if aluminum gets rid of all my metals will duralumin make all my metals last longer you know maybe and before she's able to test it though the watcher is back and Vin gets excited and it's like all right it's time for a chase and she noticed he points out that he doesn't wear a mist cloak like other mistborn which up to this point we've we've learned no matter what every mistborn we've run into at this point has worn a mist cloak so he doesn't wear a mist cloak and there, the chase begins, and essentially she's like, or sore, you know, here, and she drops, like, her metal, her extra metal reserves and everything. It's like, keep up if you can, good luck, and they take off, and the chase be- the chase begins, and essentially we have this cool chase scene that ends with Vin thinking she's lost, the wa- or the Watcher's lost her. And he's, he's like, no, he must be hiding around here somewhere because... I would have been able to see him. I would have been able to see him. And so she's like, ah, he doesn't know about this trick. And she flares her bronze and she's able to pierce his copper cloud. And she finds out where he's hiding. But right when that happens, she goes, I wonder what this will do. And she burns Duralamin in that moment. And it's the most intense sound and cracking of lights. Like she's blinded. She grabs onto her ears she she like describes it as like some drums or cannons are going off essentially and she's like what is that oh my god that's my heartbeat like like it's just awful she could feel her skin and the cold and and then it's gone almost immediately and she had fallen down and she goes oh this is what Duralamin does all my tin's gone all my pewter's gone all everything i was burning is gone it oh it releases it all in a single burst and so we we learn what Duralumin does here. It just the same way you can flare, Duralumin is like a super flare, where when you burn it at the same time, it uses up all of your reserve, but gives you like an intense amount of energy from it. All at once. Yeah. So Orsur had followed her and had kept up with her and brought her extra metals. And I was like, Do you need help? Do you need help? And she's like, No, I don't. 
and she looks back up and she notices where the watcher was hiding you know the 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 doors are open again and she's like oh he must have fled when i fell down and she turns around and he's there and he looks at her and is just kind of like like looking at her like why did you fall you know like that kind of thought and she goes well you know who are you and he's like i'm an enemy and then she goes then why do you help me he goes well because i'm also insane and vin disagrees yeah she's seen insanity uh, she doesn't think he's insane, but yeah, it's like, did you actually kill the Lord Ruler? And then nods, yes. And with that, he seems like, um, what is it? Why do you play their games? Yeah, like, why do you play their games? And she doesn't understand what he's saying. Yeah, she doesn't understand the question, and he's ready to go, and he leaves. And Osura's like disgusted, like. You sound impressed with this person. Like, that's messed up. But Vin's like, Vin, you know, Vin doesn't deny it. Vin doesn't deny that she's impressed by the Watcher. But she goes, well, you know, you're, you've shown that you're super useful. You've shown that you can keep up with me. I'm going to have, like, a backpack, like, essentially made for you so you can carry my medals. And Orsir's like, that's not needed. And he opens up his skin. And he's just like, put it in. And she puts the medals in and he closes back up. And he's like, I can, I can carry anything you want inside of me, you know. And she tries to sense the metals, you know, with iron and everything, and they couldn't. She could. No, there were no metal lines, so it was the same as if if it was pierced or swallowed. Yep. And it ends with her thanking Orsur and Orsur going, you know, the contract. There's no need to give me thanks. And that's where we're left. Okay. So. We got a big, we got a few setups here. I mean, the, a lot of this with Vin, um, we will kind of go backwards there. A lot of this with Vin, um, that it's partially to set up more understanding of Alamancy, um, mm-hmm. cause it's explaining how Peter gave her balance and everything like that. But it's also to show how, uh, Orsur is a, a, a kind of a getting equipped with the dog's body and how there's actually significant advantages, which funny little nitpick to me that I was like, uh, how come the conjure didn't experiment more with animals? Because they can't kill people, but they can pretty much kill, I'm sure, animals. Uh, and well, mis- wraiths pick up. It's like Ellen and Vin pointed out, or Vin pointed out to Ellen. You know, I might not be the first person who thought about this. You know, but it's just funny that Orsir was all sitting there like, "Oh man, I uh, I must have mis I may have misjudged these bones a bit." Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing people haven't misjudged is how good this podcast is. So let people know about it and let and give us a good rating. And uh, thank you for everyone who's been following us. We're a small project, and we hope to be less small in the future. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, so, um, so it, it was a bit of a setup for that. But I mean, a kind of, kind of a big drop here was that. Um, metals inside of a conjurer's body basically are just like a metals inside of anyone's body or like a piercing or something like that. Um, we already knew that a conjurer could uh, manipulate the flesh that they had to be able to do things that it wasn't originally designed to do, such as um, getting a vocal or vo- a voice box. Uh, whenever you he had the dog's body, he was able to still be able to talk. Um so I thought that was kind of an interesting thing that, you know, we were able to make a little pocket and um, be able to function the same way. Another thing I found super duper interesting here is that, you know, I've been kind of ragging on Vin for 
being mean to or sue her for like no reason essentially i mean there's a reason in her mind mm-hmm. but you know we can see that it's not the best reasoning it's kind of irrational but it seems like now with the way Orser is acting and he's seeing the advantages of this, he, he's treating Vin with a little bit more respect than we've seen him treat her in the past, at least in the past couple of chapters. Well, she even said at one point, she, he was like, he did something. I think he got like a belt for her. That yeah, he, brought, he brought her mail. And then she was like, she's like, thank you. And he's like, no, it's, I fulfilled the contract. And he's like, well, but still, this is more than you've done before. Uh, so, I mean, it, I gotta admit, like, the, the tone between the two, you know, in this chapter was better. Like, they seemed to be a little bit more cordial. Um, Vin was still a little the, put off. We can see the dynamic duo being formed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> she seemed she, like she was a bit more impressed with her and I, him. And I think uh, that uh, he was, you know, at least somewhat more deferential with, with her. Um, and then she goes and finds this watcher guy again. So, clearly a misborn. Um, and I guess they have this thing of doing kind of a cat and mouse thing and she almost would have had him. She, she wasn't even going to give him, give herself up. Uh, if she, if Duralamine hadn't blinded her essentially, then she would, uh, uh, probably snuck up on him without him even knowing. I don't think she would have. I I think she even mentioned, she goes, I think I'm going to let him go this time because she didn't want to give away that he could that she could pierce copper clouds. I think she would have done it subtly. I don't. I think she wouldn't have like gone right there because she was thinking the same thing. She was thinking, oh, I don't want to give myself away that I can pierce copper clouds, but let me just see if I can be a little sneaky about it. And that's when she was thinking about using the duralamine, and it, it all kind of backfired on her. Um, but now we get to duralamine. So I can think of so many potential things here. Using uh, up a whole bunch of energy at once. So, I mean, think about like any of the power. I mean, that would make is, anyone be able to pierce a copper cloud. Yeah, I mean, may, yeah, maybe. Yeah, if it made you that much stronger. Um, I, the, minute, the thing I thought immediately was using it with pewter, right? That's some like ferrochemy stuff where the like a ferrochemist can use all their strength almost as quickly as they possibly can, mm-hmm. essentially. And so I was thinking that like negates. I mean, it doesn't completely negate. Don't get me wrong, but that negates kind of one of the weaknesses with Alamancy that Ferrokimi had up on it. And it's the fact that now, sure, it's not like Ferrokimi where you can, you know, continuously store. So you might be able to keep up that high intense amount of strength for longer. But now if you needed to, you needed that Sazed cracking the Steel Inquisitor across the head moment. You could have that now as an Alamancer. Well, but there's one huge drawback, which is it completely obliterates your reserves. And then you're left completely naked essentially after, after it's done. Um, so, I mean, super interesting, you know, potential for Duralamine. Um, and it's a completely unknown metal as far as we know. I mean, we haven't had anyone who has any, had anything close to something like this. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Kind of going backwards some more, we get back to Sazed. Marsh too, Marsh too. And Marsh. Um, so we got Marsh, uh, and he seems to be different i mean more different than what is Sazed. this is a year later mm-hmm. and Sazed had made a note that he had made a point to try to be friendly with marsh he everyone else had been like kind of like turned off by him um and um if he hasn't made that point then he's going to <laughs> in the next episode i mean it's not a big deal um but yeah. but he, my, my thing is that he makes a point that marsh is different he, he's he's reached out to Marsh. Like, he's tried to get to know him more. And, yeah, he, he knows him well enough that he knows that he's different. And he has some pretty t- big tells, right? Like, he straight up says, um, you know, if my my brethren are there. And it's like, when did he start referring to 
the Steel Inquisitors and the Obligators as his brethren. And his voice is getting all gravelly, and he's his demeanor's different. So, I mean, that's a thing. Uh, and he kind of confirms this thing that we were wondering about was the, about the mists are coming out during the day. And we're kind of wondering what the consequences of that are, that are or are going to be. So the mists are supposedly killing people, supposedly giving them seizures, supposedly coming out during the day. These are all new phenomena. And then we have Sazed, who's been... Um, trying to tirelessly do his job but he feels very like he's in a very thankless position and he kind of regrets that he's like you know man there are so many keepers that they they basically died with their information knowing that you know they never asked for things they just kept doing their job and now here i am actually being active doing what they would have loved to do and he just feels pretty empty about it um yeah it kind of feels like he's like struggling on like what you know what he's essentially been trained and taught to do his entire life versus he mentions, he's like, I'm looked down for being a part of the rebellion. But we, when we, when says that we're getting his point of view on this, that seems to be like the highlight of what he's done is he feels excited that, or at least I wouldn't, I mean, that's not necessarily excited. What's the word I'm looking for? He seems content with his role in the rebellion, even though the keepers look down on him. Yeah. And I don't, the thing I, when I first read this is I felt it like it almost like a cliche thrill of the hunt kind of thing mm-hmm. where he just missed the thrill of whatever. And now he's doing his boring work. I don't think that's it. Like it does. I actually think that it's more like he thought he was walking into some other sense of purpose. And he thought the way it was going to be a certain way whenever, you know, it, everything was said and done. And it just isn't, it doesn't do it for him. Uh, like he just, he's, he's giving these people really, really valuable things, uh, knowledge that's going to help them for generations and they don't really appreciate it. And he doesn't appreciate that they don't appreciate it. Uh, and I think in his mind, he was thinking everyone was going to be like, oh my gosh, look at this guy. He's going to give us farming. He's going to give us technology. He's going to give us government and and infrastructure that we're going to be able to set up and we're going to we're just going to be so excited you know awesome this guy's like our king and yes he is very respected you know no no doubt but it's actually more like uh do i have to go to school today mom and and that's kind of unfortunate and he he acknowledges that he goes i feel guilty for feeling guilty um but uh his whole thing was that he traveled down to the south and in the next chapters, we're going to find out where he and Marsh are going to be heading off to get to to get more information. Hey, everyone. Vod here. Please rate our podcast and follow us for regular episodes Monday through Friday. If you enjoy listening, consider subscribing. We are a very small project, so please support us with likes and comments. You can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash ontos. That's patreon.com slash O-N-T-O-S. Thanks again. And remember, our sentience depends on you.